Welcome to the Revision Wizards podcast. I'm Miss Catherine M.H., and I'm joined by my witch doctor co-host, V.E. Griffith. This is episode 24, and this time we're joined by author Monica Cook with a scene analysis from her forthcoming romance novel. This episode is sponsored by our amazing patrons who help us to build our podcast so we can help you make your editing and revision process better. Our patrons help us to pay for transcripts of our shows available on our website and for better audio recording quality so listening is a little easier on your ears. If you'd be willing to support the show financially for as little as a buck an episode, we have a bunch of neat benefits that you can take advantage of, including a special podcast feed with extra content and personal episodes, inside access as we collaborate on Avella, the opportunity to ask questions for Ask the Editor episodes, professional editing, and more. You can find out everything you need to know at patreon.com slash revisionwizards. And with that, here we go. Alrighty, so we're here with a new guest for a scene analysis. If you would please tell us your name and your pronouns. Oh, um, it's Monica and uh, she, her. Okay. Awesome. Um, so we're doing, we're doing a scene analysis of your scene that you sent us. It was about 2,600 words, which was excellent. Tell us what we would need to know coming in. Where is this in your writing? Is this a novel? Is this a short story? What is this? Um, it's a novel, a contemporary romance novel, um, grumpy boss, forced proximity. Um, this is chapter two. It's a dual POV. Um, Maxine is the female main character, and then Nate is the male main character. Um, and chapter one is just um, Maxine coming to the ship. Uh, she took a last minute job for the summer, and um, she's just kind of meeting her roommates and kind of learning the ropes. Okay. That works. Nice. All right. So, and we don't see Maxine in this scene. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um, but Nate is mentioned in hers. So like the last thing you see in her scene is they're talking about the first officer, which is Nate. And then it goes into his POV. Okay. That's fine. And is she also written first person? Yes. So as always, Miss Catherine, I'm going to punish you by asking you to start with the characters. Sure thing. I'm getting used to this. <laughs> All right. So we have two main ones for this chapter. I thought we had like, of course, we had Noel, we had the captain. Um, there's Harry, who we, we don't hear of him or from oh, him, yeah. but he's there. <laughs> but, who's uh, Harry? Yeah. <laughs> so we have Nate and I want to say it's Riker. Raker? Yes. Yes. Riker. Okay. Riker. Cool. I got it right the first time. <laughs> so with Nate, um, we've got, so his voice is very consistent. I thought it matched his inner with his outer and it does help that we're first person. So we're getting a lot more of what his voice should sound like. His emotional state is definitely frustrated and stressed out. <laughs> and his physical's interesting because he, locks it away especially when he's in front of like the crew and stuff where he's out there and he's like yes today is great we're launching we're doing this and then around those who he's closest to he lets that frustration out so they can see that he's stressed and they can see that he's frustrated so it does help to show how the how Nate reacts to other people and then i had for oh my gosh Riker, Riker, Riker. 
Riker. Yep. <laughs> okay, I got. I'll get this eventually. <laughs> so for Riker, it's the why. That's what it is, people. <laughs> um. So I can. You can already like him just by the way he's talking. He seems like that best friend, that close coworker, and you've already got that connection with the way he acts and his voice. Um, his emotional state's kind of laid back, but you can tell he's very loyal. But his physical's the interesting one. So he's pretending to be a lot more laid back, but you can see that he's tensing up at stuff. But he knows that his friend is way too tense, so he needs to stay the laid back one. So I really liked having that that difference between the two characters. So you see one who will not show the emotion if they're in front of like other people and then who will show it in front of his close people and the friend who's like I'm really stressed out too but if I tell you I'm stressed out that'll just add to you so I need to zip it which of course you know best friends always do (laughs) so so that's what I really thought of the the two characters like I said we had the captain though we, we didn't get much of the captain right now for me to be like uh I don't really have anything really on him and then harry we never even heard from him we just know he exists on the other end of a phone <laughs> and then there there is no well um but I, I feel like i would need more of her than just she's kind of a brat <laughs> yes <laughs> so so ve back over to you okay i found that all of the characters uh, it was real clear Nate was angry and upset and and frustrated by Isla's uh, the CEO's behavior that his ex was basically trying to screw around with him. But I felt like the rest of the characters didn't. They all seemed to speak the same way. They had what Jeff Elkins would call monomouth. Which is which is something that I do. It's not you know they don't have mannerisms. They they all speak in college educated English. It's it's that kind of that kind of setup. The dialogue tags helped with that, so I could tell who was speaking. That wasn't a big deal. But I felt like, for example, Riker might have had some kind of an accent that would be you know that would be consistent with somebody who'd spent his life on a boat. You know, uh, he, you don't get to be chief engineer just by being the ex of the of the girlfriend or the son of the captain. So, you know, he would have some experience and that might come through in, his, in the way that he speaks. What do you think, Monica? Um, yes. No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I'm trying to think about if I ever do that um, with their back and forths. And, and I think I probably do it more in later chapters, but it's something I could definitely pull in earlier so yes (laughs) all right for protagonist wants external pursuits i thought this was this was excellent it's easy to see nate wants the cruise to go well he wants his job performance to go well he wants the other ship's launch to go well and it's real clear that it's not going to you know that 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 is something that it's well understood by the reader by the end of the scene that uh, things have seriously gone sideways here External pursuits was very simple for me, but it was excellent. And of course, you know, to be the weird one, because him and I can never agree, I saw something different. (laughs) I saw it as he wants 
freedom. And I have marked this as good for now because you can really tell he wants out from under his ex. So his ex is the the big controlling factor and he wants his freedom. The C equals freedom, but his ex equals not freedom. And until he can get out from under her control or buy her out from the company, as he's yelling at Harry about, he wants his freedom. So that's that's what I saw as his... (laughs) as his want. <laughs> um, for his internal desires, I, I went with closer to what Catherine had for external desires. He he wants to be in control. He feels out of control and jerked around, which is seemingly beyond what you could expect from a CEO with a different leadership style than what he would have. I wonder how long he's been working at this company that he supposedly co-founded, that he's working on a boat and he's not seeing any kind of command or any kind of executive position. This strikes me very much as sort of a a Steve Wozniak at Apple kind of thing where Woz just wanted to be an engineer and he did not want to be involved in the day-to-day running of the company like, like Steve Jobs did. I rated this section between fair and good. It was a little unclear to me if I was right in terms of his internal desire. I would say I would guess it was clear enough, but it didn't seem necessarily quite as obvious as I might've liked. So I I'm, I'm a little back and forth on this one. So uh, it's clear that he did not acquire his need. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, for mine, um, slightly different, and I rated it as good. <laughs> and it's he needs, not that he understands it yet, some self-confidence. <laughs> like, that is what he is going for. And I like the way that this is building. So right now, he he knows he wants the freedom, but he's relying on the thoughts and ideas of everybody else. So if I can beat this person, then I'm good enough. And I feel like his need is that self-confidence and he will, it'll start to like pull through, which will then help him with his external want, which is the freedom. So once his self-confidence starts to build which I'm assuming it will through the book, <laughs> then we'll start to see that freedom go. And since now I'm understanding this is a romance, you'll also start to see where that's, he can let go of. So there's also another question. So I thought the name was Isla because I've known several people with it spelt like that. Is it Isla or is it Isla? I think it's Isla, but in my head, I always say Isla. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so either one. So. For me, it was that self-confidence. Once that starts to grow, and I'm like I said, I'm assuming that's where the book is going. So as a reader, I can already see it. Like, ooh, his confidence is going to start to grow because, you know, after an abusive relationship, that confidence is real low when you start to build it back up. So that's where I was, I was going with it. Okay. Yeah. Now knowing that this is chapter two and this is a romance, it seems to make more sense that, that we're going to eventually be able to cut ourselves off from Isla Isla, whatever her name might be. Um, this is one of those moments when you should never judge somebody who knows what a word means, but mispronounces it. It's because they learned it by reading. 
that 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 makes that makes some more sense to me. Yes, and like like she said, um, it is his character arc. So at the end, he has this big confrontation with Isla Isla, and like finally gets gets what he was after. So happy ending. Nice. There we go. Good. Yay. Okay, Miss Catherine, what about uh, external pursuits for the antagonist? All right, so the antagonist is definitely Isla, <laughs> and I have this as excellent and. It's revenge. So the the want is revenge. She likes the power, and he's already taken that step to move away from that. And she wants to keep reminding him of, nope, you don't get to decide to leave. So I feel like this is, it's le- more, it's on the abusive side, definitely. But it's also that pettiness of, oh, you left me. Well, that was your mistake. And so it was really felt that revenge piece. And you were just waiting for each section to just go wrong for this guy. (laughs) Poor Nate. (laughs) Yeah, poor Nate. Um, And again, Ms. Ms. Catherine and I have something of a contrast here. I rated it between underdeveloped and fair. The reason that I did was that I, I feel like a CEO would have a certain a certain sense of what's good for the company. And if she's disciplined now at the time I wrote this, I didn't know that it was a romance. I I realized from the scene that, they, that she was an ex, but I'm the sort of person, and this is my own bias that would, that would try very hard to be professional to an ex and not just sort of jam it to him, her every time I, you know, every time I have an interaction I might be petty in situations where it doesn't matter, but this seems like, you know, the launch of a ship or the launch of two ships or getting the company off the ground is something that would matter. And so I would want it to go well just as a, in my own self-interest, I might have, instead of making him first officer, I might have made him, you know, somebody who swabs the decks, you know, to put him in his place in a situation where he both gets screwed over and the company does well. So that's, that's kind of where, you know, if she's the CEO, why not just fire him from, from day-to-day operations? She might not be able to get him out of his ownership position, but she can certainly make his life miserable in ways that don't impact the company negatively. And that, and so that, that made it unclear to me what her, what her motivation is. Got it. Um, It's revenge. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, women are spiteful. <laughs> well, and to be fair, I don't read a lot of romance. So, um, and again, I didn't know that this was romance coming in. So that that you know, if if I, I assume that that's a that 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 the jilted lover or or the 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 vengeful ex is a trope that I'm just not aware of. Um. Yes, and like her goal is is to get him back. She still wants to marry him and live happily ever after. So she, she wants to keep him close. And when she comes into the book later, I show that, but maybe I need to hint at it closer to the start so that people know. I One sentence from dad could do it. You know, she still loves you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Miss Catherine antagonist, internal desires. So control her and which I put as excellent. Like that falls into the 
the um, revenge category, it's it's control. She doesn't like when people don't do what she wants. And it doesn't, like, I feel like it wouldn't matter if the company went down. It would be pinned on him with the way that she is controlling it. So it wouldn't look bad in her lighting. It would only look bad in his. So if you don't like the way things are going, then come back to me. If not, this gets blamed on you, not me. I still look good. So it's very much the, you know, that statement where (laughs) women are very spiteful and she's in that role. She is, and he knows it, he's stuck in it. And she's done a very good job at the isolating factor that people who like to control have done. So I rated this once again as excellent because I thought I was like, yes, this is a controlling ditch. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay. And I went completely the other direction for reasons that we've talked about. I, I rated it underdeveloped because I felt like her, un, her external needs were undefined. Her internal need was also undefined, but again, that's just my blindness to the genre. So which is something the reader would know going in. They would know it's a romance. Monica, what'd you think? No, I, I, I think, um, Catherine nailed it. That's what I was going for that. She wanted to keep him under her thumb until he did what she wanted. And until then it's going to be painful. So. Okay. Yeah. Then, then you did it. Well, I, I, it's, it's common. It takes a woman to stop the spitefulness. No. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, she doesn't think like a man, which is probably on balance, a good thing. <laughs> At least in terms of the story. So, um, Ms. Catherine, what about conflict? So conflict, I marked this one between fair and good. And I have the conflict as the phones don't work. So the moment the phones go down, that is the conflict for me. Because before that, you see the status quo. This has been two years of, God, I have to deal with all of this that she has been causing. And now because they're on the ship and everything is going smoothly, you're just waiting for something and it's the phones. So for me, it was, you expected something to go wrong. And so the readers are expecting this. So like, there's nothing wrong with it being in that like fair, good, you're expecting it to increase now. So like, this is the bare minimum, you see what he normally goes through, you're seeing it start for this. And now we're expecting it to keep ticking upward and upward and upward as she tries to do more control. So I went completely the other direction again. (laughs) Okay. Um, I did rate the conflict here as good. For me, the conflict was her rejection of his request for an assistant. And that pushes him into his anger and into his need to respond to her because she's going to make his life so miserable with having to juggle all of his responsibilities. The way I would say it is he's going to have more balls than juggle. So, um, uh, it's obvious that he was going to have to do something and, uh, and and respond to this stupidity. Part of that was was his call to the lawyer to try and figure out how to buy her out uh, or how to get rid of her or something. I thought the presentation was was excellent. The general conflict here was good, and I didn't have I didn't have a lot of trouble with it going on from what my from from what I found the conflict to be. There can be more than one conflict. It's okay. We we never see eye to eye. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is this is one reason why doing this podcast is fun. Yes. 
Yes. When I was writing it, I used like the pressure test um, little rubric. And so I, that was my inciting incident was the assistant. And then like the progressive complications. And then the turning point was the phone's not working. And that's where everything just kind of fell apart. Yeah, that makes sense. And sometimes it is true. We've talked about on the podcast before your, your inciting incident doesn't necessarily have to have anything really to do with your conflict. You know, we've, we've seen those kinds of setups before where, you know, something happens, but the real problem is something else. So I guess that would pull me to my choice since, you know, I'm different than his. So my choice, I marked this as fair, but that's okay. And I'll get into why. But the choice I have is to be open and honest about the situation or make excuses. So when he's talking to the captain, it's that moment of I could just make an excuse or I can be honest about this and start asking for some help. And that's what he does. So you you show that he can be in a healthy relationship. Because after a bit, I figured out that this was romance. And I'm like, ooh, so those are key things that you would want to have happening. You want that healthy relationship. And he's trying to offer that to those who are close around him. So for me, that choice shows his character where he's like, hey, I'm willing to reach a hand out and be like, hey, I am not doing okay. (laughs) This is not going well. This is two years. She's running it into the ground. So that was, that was the choice for me was to be open and honest and ask for some help. (laughs) I thought, I thought this was somewhere between fair and good. The choice is obviously going to be difficult for me. It wasn't clear to me what his choices were. He started to move toward trying to push her out with the lawyer. One thing that he doesn't ever do is consider walking away. And that makes me wonder if I I understand now from a story perspective, that's kind of necessary, but it, it made me think of that. Maybe he's trapped in the sunk cost fallacy where he's put so much into this that he doesn't want to walk away, even though that's really what he should do is just cut his losses and go. And it's something that might occur to him, even if he rejects the notion, he doesn't seem to have a clear way forward. He doesn't, really determine what his next action should be. And so it feels like he doesn't make a firm choice in this scene. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so trying to think. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> let me think about this. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I'm going to have to go back and look. I, you might like, you're probably right. Like an external, like actionable choice. Cause I kind of just leave it not on a cliffhanger, but I'm just like, well, things got worse. Like, or that like there was no real like wrapping it up. Um, so that's a great point. I can see that there is a larger conflict and choice brewing in the in the story as a whole. I mean, and remember that I'm just reading this little snapshot. So that can sometimes make it hard for me. Um, but that's that's where I that's where I went with it. So in this scene, yes, in the story, I think you're probably a good enough writer that you that you nailed it on the story level. So probably. <laughs> so So I see I, I disagree with him, <laughs> but that's that's what makes us great. Um I saw a pretty big consequence from this, from like this this chapter. And so for me, I marked it as excellent because I was like, yes, to this consequence. And it's that his father, who's the captain, which, you know, you didn't quite see coming, um, 
brushes him off and leaves him hanging. And that was like, he opens up, is trying to be honest and he gets brushed off, which, you know, you don't expect from a parent, but if we're looking at what Isla does, she has done a great job at isolating him. So she has everybody around him right in her pocket. And it is, it's clear that even when he's trying and he's really hoping that they will take this like, hey, I am reaching out and asking somebody for help, that it doesn't happen. And you're like, oh, oh, I felt that. <laughs> and so I really liked that part because it really shows how much control she has over his situations and that he's left sitting there being like, well, great, I've just got to figure this out again. So nobody's helping me. And it keeps him in that cycle where he just feels completely trapped, lost, and he's running full steam at all of these problems because she just keeps adding to it. So he can't think of anything else. And having been in a situation like that, thought that was really well done where that is the situation that you are lost. The people who you want helping you out, just brush you off. And especially if you add in that line of, well, she still loves you. Then that's even like more of a home run hit where it's like, but I don't love her. Like, why won't you listen to me? You are my parent. You know, you're the captain. We should be in this together. I am wondering a bit as to why he needs a promotion since he owns part of the business, but (laughs) we'll get into that later. (laughs) Um, So I thought for this consequence, it was done well because it really shows her power and his situation for like the book that he has to overcome. But um, I'm sure VE will disagree. (laughs) Well, yes and no. I see the power differential. I see that he's going to need to overcome it somehow. Um, I rated the consequence just on the basis of this scene as underdeveloped in as a result of his not being able to make a choice because he didn't really have a choice in this chapter the way I read it. It seems like he pushes off his choice to a later chapter. He's still gathering information. What can I do about buying her out? What can I do about now that she screwed me over with the assistant? What can I do? He doesn't come up with any choices as a consequence of that. He doesn't have any consequences. So... That's the direction that I went. But I feel like, again, on the story level, this is going to wind up being well-developed. I think you certainly have the conflict starting here that is going to drive his story uh, pretty well. Awesome. Yay. And um, I don't know if this matters. I also set him up as a foil um, to the female main character. So she's like super soft-spoken, whereas... He tells people what he thinks and then she's really, really like supportive and, and loving, which is kind of what he is missing um, with the relationships he has in his life right now. So, so they can be together forever. Awesome. There you go. Okay. Moving on to the mechanics section, Ms. Catherine showing versus telling. You always, you always throw this one at me first. <laughs> um, I marked this as fair. And I think there could be more in this chapter. There's a lot of telling when they're talking. Um, there's, there's a few spots that I do highlight for you where I'm like, hey, this is strictly telling. Let's show the emotion. 
there's also there's more details of the ship. Like I know what his desk is. I know that he's wearing a watch. I know there's salt all over the watch, but I have no idea what he looks like. So besides the fact that he wears a watch <laughs> and that his eyes are now dead, there's, <laughs> there's nothing else that tells me what he looks like. And as a romance, I kind of want to know how hot he is. <laughs> like, so I thought that it could use a little bit more where you just need a little bit of description to, to go off of stuff. Like ugh, he's unbuttoning that coat. You know, he's pulling it off his broad shoulders, something like he's throwing it in the corner. Any of those little, little bits where I feel like it would help describe the character because he is one of the main ones and I have no idea what he looks like. Yes. No, that's such a great point. And, um, I have like critique partners um, and I've done some beta readers and every time I try to put something like that in there, um, they're always like, he wouldn't say that from his POV. He wouldn't, um, he wouldn't think of his hair as dark or his shoulders as broad. Like this doesn't read like naturally, I guess. And I just, but then the opposite when I, when I don't mention any of that, like you have no idea what he looks like. So I guess, do you guys have any advice for how to like, get it in there without people being like, oh, he would never think that. I'm not sure necessarily that you would want to go toward his, unless he has some sort of, unless sort of he has some sort of negative connotation in his mind about his appearance. I, I, people consistently tell me that I'm handsome and I have no, I have absolutely no sense of that myself. Um, and so he may feel that way about himself. So he could look at his ugly dark hair. He could look at, his coat and in the mirror and make sure that he's not rumpled. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. And so. Cause he would care about his appearance, like that he looked professional. Yes, he would. He would care about that. And so, um, you know, we could, we could give a, he makes sure that his gold buttons on his coat are correct. He makes sure that, you know, his collar is turned up, but he doesn't like his hair. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Or you could talk about how his shoulders are broad enough that he had to have, that he had his coat specially tailored. Nice. <laughs> you know, so Catherine. You could do something too, where you are comparing him to his photo. So he's looking at his photo and he's like, man, I wish my, my hair was something like that again, or you can just you can use that comparison since he's already doing that with, you know, oh look, my eyes looked alive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I thought this section was excellent. Honestly, the character voice was clear to me. It was clear that Nate was angry with his situation. I was paying more attention to Nate's emotion rather than his physical appearance, and that is something I don't care what dudes look like, you know. He he could be uh, in 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 retrospect, having heard Catherine's explanation about it, I thought, yeah, he probably is just a blank face or a blank non-face. He doesn't even have a nose, but um, that didn't that didn't make a whole lot of difference to me. For for anybody who's going to be a major character, you might insert his Nate's observation of like one physical trait: the captain is old and grizzled. The senior, you know, the, the chief engineer has a scar on his cheek from some accident. 
you know, that kind of thing. Just, just one, you don't have to do a full description of their entire body. You don't want to get into that, but just something so that they stick out, you know, for us, uh, as different from, you know, some handsome windswept captain who, you know, stands on the bridge and is, you know, whatever. And I'm sure we'll get more in description when it's her point of view and she's seeing him. But at the same point, something would be great. Like we know that his, his nose gets sunburnt. So is he like super freckly? Was, was this something that happens all the time that he's just like, yeah, whatever I got sunburnt or is like, he pissed that he got a sunburn. (laughs) He's like, "Ah, I forgot my sunscreen. I'm so pale. What was I thinking? So just like, Little bits where we we just get a little something. Okay. What about um, passive voice, Catherine? All right. So for me, passive voice rated fair to good. I thought it was okay and that it wasn't really bad, even though I know VE would disagree. Um, (laughs) But I felt like it showed the situation he was in. It was very controlled situation. So it's happening to him. He doesn't really get to do much. And the stuff he is doing, those sections sped up a little bit. Wanting to throw that phone across the room or banging it down on the table. Those were things that he was actively doing. And the rest was very passive around him. That being said, I also, um, so I only know that it was romance because I've heard you're a romance writer. (laughs) So at this point, reading the chapter, I actually had no clue what the genre was. So for a bit, I thought it was sci-fi and we were talking about spaceships and I was like, oh, I love (laughs) sci-fi. And I was like, oh, we're launching. And then I was like, cruise ships. Nope. Okay. (laughs) So I marked that. I was like, and I'm sure I would know by looking at the cover or having read the blurb, what genre this would have been. But I was like, I'm not sure if it's like contemporary, if it's like (laughs) space, if we're really doing a romance. So (laughs) I was hoping it wasn't going to be like the ex was going to come back and that was who the romance would be. So I'm glad it's not. (laughs) But yeah, so from that little bit, I was like, I don't quite know the genre. And the passive voice, like I said, felt right because things were happening to him. VE probably has a different thing, though. (laughs) I felt like I actually marked it good. I felt like it was a good it went well. There was some passive voice in places where he was remembering the way things used to be, or he was explaining the setup of the situation, Isla's relationship to him, that kind of thing. Um, overall, I felt like it was pretty good because it's a very dialogue heavy scene. And because it's written in first person that lends to writing an active voice. And I thought that that was pretty good. I went through and I counted the wuzzes and there were more of them in dialogue than there were in the rest of the, in the rest of the scene. That makes me happy. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, my, my, uh, my number one, you know, craft tip is always, if you can, if you can eliminate the words was, were, and had from your, writing vocabulary when you're doing prose, you'll go a long way toward eliminating passive voice. But I thought that I thought that you did really well with that. I didn't see large large passages that were passive and I thought that I thought it was pretty good. Awesome. Thank you. Well it's good to hear. Whew. Okay. For sentence structure, um 
I'm a line editor and that's how I go through these things. Miss Catherine is a developmental editor and that's how she goes through these things. Um, and that, and that contrast serves us well, both when we're writing together and, and when we're taking a look at other people's stuff. Um, I did not find, or I found almost no structural errors or punctuation problems in this thing. The number one thing that I found was weirdly placed spaces. And the reason that I noticed that and non-breaking spaces, which can come from pasting your work into something like AutoCrit and then copying it out. Apparently AutoCrit puts in non-breaking spaces, but I turn on uh, non-printing characters in Microsoft Word so I can see those. And I got rid of them for you because that's the kind of pedant that I am. But I didn't have any trouble with cap with uh, I did the one the one thing I had trouble in terms of capitalization was the word captain. When you use it as a proper noun, you know, captain, uh, she cannot take much more of this. Uh, that's that's capitalized when it's the captain is a jerk and he wants me to go overboard. That is lowercase, and you were inconsistent about that, so I fixed it. That was the only real issue that I had. Your command of English is excellent. Either that or it's already been edited and somebody's cleaned it up for you. Uh, <laughs> um, but it but it was fine. It was I have I have absolutely no problem here. That's awesome. I run it through um pro writing aid. So maybe that's where those spell those spaces um are coming from. Yeah, that could be. That could be. Miss Catherine, what do you think? Yeah, I get it when I use autocrit. It it changes my whole spacing and everything. But uh, so I rated this as good. There were a few sentences that I highlighted for you that would be better swapped that I noticed that seemed really, and it was ironically with the body language. And so I was like, ooh, that doesn't, that doesn't work right. And I, so I highlighted those and I was like, just switch these two sentences. And other than that, it was great. (laughs) So I thought it was the, when he puts his feet up on the table. And it's just like an awkward, like he leans forward and then he takes his feet down. And I was like, that's, that's not a, that's not comfortable at all. (laughs) I was like, nope, you would put your feet down and then lean forward. So I, I like highlight those sections for you to like swap them out or not swap them, but you know what I mean? Yes. No, that sounds really uncomfortable actually (laughs) thinking about it. It's, it's just amazing what other people pick up. Like, I think one of the first um, highlights was um, he needs to hang the phone up. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. He never hung yeah. the phone up. <laughs> yeah, that was one of them too. I was like, he never hung the phone up. He's just yeah. walking with it. How <laughs> to do that? Baking cookies again. So. Yeah, yo, man. <laughs> I read a book and they had these cookies in that oven for literally like six chapters. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, funny. yo, those cookies are burnt. And they never went back to the cookies, but they're burnt. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> But overall, I really liked the, uh, I really liked it so far. I'm interested. Yay. Yeah. I'd be interested in taking a look at it. um, Genre wise romance has never been my thing, but maybe you could make a convert out of me. I don't know. I do mostly sci-fi and fantasy uh, sort of stuff, but I thought, you know, overall this was, this was a a, a very good uh, scene and it's something that if uh, I were reading would certainly pull me into the next chapter since it's chapter two, assuming I got past the first chapter. And if the first chapter is anything like this, it should be fine. You know, once I got into this, this would make me want to read chapter three. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. Oh my goodness. So any closing thoughts, Catherine? No, I'm ready to see Isla go down. (laughs) 
Like I want to see it from uh, the female, you know, point of view where it's like, ooh, you a bitch. You after my man. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This ain't happening. And I'm, I'm ready for that battle. <laughs> okay, Monica, where can we find you on the internet? What would you like to plug? Oh, um, you can find me at mwcook.com. Um, All righty. Then we'll go ahead and hang it up for the day. Uh, thank everybody for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Stay magical.